Welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with one co-host. Joe Lalo. Uh, Andrea is having some health stuff going on this week, so the two of us are going to take over and hopefully do a good show for you. We are going to be talking about bonus content today, the extra short things you can write that can lead to more book sales if you do it right. And we're going to talk about all the ways we've done it and what's worked well and what has not. I did want to kind of give a shout out to that Spa Girls podcast, uh, also a self-publishing podcast, who did a similar topic uh, a couple months ago. This is kind of our take on it. I, I'm not even sure. Sorry, guys. I don't think I actually watched their whole show or listened to it, but I just thought that's a great topic for a show. So we're going to dive into that after... Um, let's go ahead and do some news. We might have to bulk up this episode a little bit since there's only two of us. So if you're listening now and it's only 40 minutes instead of an hour, you know why a third of us are missing. Yep. Um, News-wise, I started working on Epic Fantasy 2 about a week ago, and it's coming along much closer to expectations than the first one did. Uh, I'm not going to hazard how far into it I am, but I know that I'm 27,000 words into it, which is a nice clip. Uh, I've been averaging. My my quotas have been good, although, as I said before we started, I'm going to have to work a little bit late into the night in order to hit that quota today because i got a late start. Uh, I've also been in contact with a narrator that I've worked with in the past who was doing some of my Patreon shorts, and then they ended up getting a, a pretty major role in an animated short, but they have finished recording, so they're available again. So I am going to have another one of my Patreon stories recorded. It's a standalone. It's going to show up on the YouTube and all that, and it's also going to go to patrons. So I'm looking forward to that because I enjoy producing these shorter audio things. Um, the cover for Epic Fantasy One is in the works, and the cover for my second Patreon short story collection just came in today. So it's very likely that by the end of next week, I might have three books that are ready for release, and I just have to decide when they're going to release. That's nice because <laughs> it's been an uneventful first part of the year for me. I have not released really anything this year, I don't think. Um, the downside to kicking all this production into high gear is that I have once again sidelined my plans to increase my advertising strategies. I always have that as a list of, here's what I'm going to do this year. And then I pick the writing instead. So uh, advertising is, is uh, falling to the back. Although I had a, uh, uh, I had a book bub for the first time, a full book bub uh, on one of my free books yesterday. So I have done some additional advertising, but generally speaking, with it, when it doesn't come to writing, my brain has been mush lately. And that's my news. Yeah. I'm uh, also on my se- second epic fantasy in the series. So I don't know. We're like mirror doing mirror, mirror image thing this year. Um, I actually have the covers at least for the first couple. So I am going to be releasing that first one pretty soon. I, I finally put it up on pre-order to launch in a couple of weeks. I was going to wait until the audiobook was ready and try to have audiobook, paperback and ebook all at the same time. But, um, the narrator's working on it, you know, and she's great, but you know, it's still probably going to be till June before it gets, you know, how it is. We got to proof it after it's done, make any changes, then submit the files. And who knows when those will go live. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to go ahead and go for it because I haven't had a release for a couple of months. Uh, that was wrapping up my old series. Uh, with pricing on this one, I usually launch a new book one in a new series at 99 cents, at least for the beginning, kind of with the thought of getting as many people into the series as I can uh, at a very inexpensive uh, price point so that there's no hesitation from them really. But I'm going to go to 99 with this one since I won't have book two ready probably till July or maybe the end of June. I'm working on it now. 
I'm at about 135,000 words in the book too. My target was 140,000 words and it's looking like it's going to be more like 175, 180. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here thinking, man, I got to like make my editing date. I've been doing a bunch of uh, 10, 12,000 word days. So even for me, that that's a lot of words in a day, but uh, I, I kind of enjoy it. I don't know. I'm weird. That's like, those are my favorite days where I'm just like, I'm just writing today. I'm not doing admin. I'm not doing email. Although this particular day was not that I had to edit something else. And I was also kind of, while I was doing that, started trying to book some promo sites for the new release, which is a little bit more of a challenge at $2.99 than $0.99. Cents, Cause a lot of the places that will do, you know, they want bargain books, right? So they say 99 cents. Uh, some of them were doing, were accepting 2.99. So I'm like, yeah, 5.99 is the regular price, even though it hasn't been out yet. So it doesn't really have a regular price price. Um, I did apply and get accepted for a book, but new release on this book, which I, I don't know if it'll be worth it. I did one when they first started doing that in 2018, I did not make it back. It's about $460 in fantasy. And I think it was almost that much when they first launched it. And I was doing a book at 99 cents and it was really negligible sales from that. So I do want to see, you know, have they improved things with their list? Is it better three years later? I'm not sure if it will be, but I was happy to get it because like I said, there's, I don't really have as much I can do with a 299 book launch as with a 99 center. So uh, this one is going into Kindle Unlimited. Um, so the book is about 150,000 words. So I think I talked about that before. That will actually be more for a read through than a 299 sale will be. So I'll be happy to get those KU bars on it. I also, this is funny because I have been getting rejected left and right for BookBub for like the last year. But I, at the same, on the same day they accepted, I applied for a regular one on my Dragonblood, an old series bundle, um, which is cool because that's really in the same ballpark as the new series. It'll be, it'll come like a week later after the, after they do the new release one. So this is, like I said, my first time they've given me anything but like an international deal in quite a while. So I don't know if the BookBub gods were shining on me today. Uh, so hopefully that will help give the new series the boost. Uh, that's kind of one thing you can do with a full price release. I, I'm doing another book coming in at my sci-fi world that I'm, I think it's going to be $3.99. And instead of trying to plug that into sponsorship sites that don't want to book that expensive. I'm instead going to run promos on the three book bundle that is in the series. That's also in that world. Cause I did find in the past when I was lucky enough to get a book bub uh, near the new, a release of a new series that was closely re related. I actually got a surprisingly good boost uh, that was on a 99 cent new release rather than two ninety nine, which is less of an impulse buy, but we will see that is the plan doing what you can. And I've already kind of accepted that this is probably not going to be super profitable year just because I'm not going to be able to write as many books since I'm doing these longer beasts. Um, but yeah, I think that is about it for my news. Do you have any final comments or thoughts on that, Joe, before we jump into our main topic? Just one weird thing that happened with my with my book bub is you know a week before they ask you to make sure that your uh, your price is the same like that you that you have actually changed the price and uh, it's a you know it's a free series starter it's been free forever it turns out it's not free on uh, the Canadian Amazon the Australian Amazon or the Indian Amazon uh, it's not like I could have done anything about that it's been free forever they never price match there apparently <laughs> but I was just surprised to discover that was the case. Yeah, I'm going to double check this time because it seems like recently I've been hearing from quite a few people who've randomly had their permafreeze go back paid uh, on Amazon, like Amazon.com. And I 
that's a good point to maybe check the international stores. I don't know if you can email them in if they would do anything. On Amazon.com, you can, and maybe they will, maybe they won't, is usually what they say. But it is tough because all the stores have kind of their different back ends sometimes. But you can ask for like categories in all the different stores from the main KDP dashboard. So who knows? It's definitely worth taking a look though, because these BookBub deals are not inexpensive. <laughs> so you definitely want to try to double check and don't assume that your perma-free that's been free for five years is free on BookBub Day. All right. So our topic is how to use bonus material to sell more books. Uh, we're just going to start out here giving a list of kind of the some of the types of bonus material that you can do. Uh, and these are all meant to be things that aren't as extensive to write as a novel, you know, so they're less of a commitment. Uh, and so that's because I, I don't know what's up with authors, but sometimes we're like, oh, that's so much work to write a short story. You know, I already wrote the book. I, can I just use a couple chapters out of the book? It's like, no, no. Learn to enjoy the writing. Like, um, Just to preface all this, I would say no doubt in my mind that doing free stuff, whether free book one, free short story, these kind of things, has like way more, I've gotten way more sales out of that over my career than all the money I've spent on Amazon ads and, and that kind of thing. So I have no doubt in my mind. So types of bonus material that you can do. Short stories or novellas that tie into your main series or book. And you know, the point of these is like somebody reads them, they are intrigued by the characters or the world and they want to go check out your series. You can also do prequel short stories or novellas take place before your regular series. You can do like second epilogues or other bonus scenes that are kind of an addition for somebody after they read the book or even a collection of bonus scenes. You can do scenes that you've rewritten like that happened in the story, but from some other character's eyes, like the intriguing alternative POV character. This can be great if your whole story book or series is in first person, which normally you wouldn't be able to do that side character, but you kind of step outside of the framework you've set up for the novels and you can do that. And people really enjoy seeing the story from somebody else's eyes. You can also do character sheets, kind of like RPG style. If you played Dungeons and Dragons back in the day with the, the stats and, you know, maybe all their if fantasy sci-fi people know just what we mean, you know, all the cool stuff they have or just their backgrounds. Uh, obviously for this would fit right into like lit RPG or something like that, but it could go beyond that. I think I've heard um, maybe Mark Dawson say that he did something like this with his thriller series. Uh, you can also do character interviews, things like you, the author, act as the journalist interviewing the character. Uh, the fans have had them enjoy that. You can do like, uh, if you have artwork or like high resolution maps or artwork, uh, give them a bonus that they can download. Maybe they want a desktop background or just, I, I just did my first map ever for the epic fantasy series. And it looks, it's so ridiculously small in the as the ebook is like, I can, I haven't figured out, I don't know, you guys have to let me know if there's a way to like turn it sideways so that they can turn their e-reader the long way. So it's at least a little bigger. I was like, this is silly. I went ahead and put a link in. I was like, if you want to see the whole thing, it's on my site. Um, another idea is a serialized story, you know, not necessarily something epic in length, but maybe it's 10,000 words serialized over a few days, either on your newsletter or website. I just did the first behind the scenes video. And of course you could do it as a blog post if you're not into video, but that was kind of a fun thing where I answered questions about uh, my death before dragon series and gives, I told like the characters, what the actors I would have play them would be, you know, things like that. Uh, The fans enjoy that sort of thing. Um, Joe's going to take over and give a few more on this list. 
Uh, some of these are variations of what we've had before, but specific ones that I like. Uh, one of them is, is what uh, I call noodle incidents, which is a Calvin and Hobbes reference. But sometimes in your, in your series, you'll have a, a story or an anecdote that somebody tells that actually doesn't happen in the story. It's just a part of their history that made them notorious. And uh, if you write that incident as, as a side thing, number one, it will be a hit for for people who were curious about that after reading but number two it gives you the opportunity to maybe do reveal that person to be an unreliable narrator which you know you could have the event not go quite as well as they remembered it so they tend to be pretty fun um along the same lines of the character sheets, uh, monster manuals and player guides. Like if you've come up with a really in-depth magic system, or if you come up with some creatures that you really particularly like, or that your fans like, you can try to make those available to somebody who might want to run a campaign or something just so that they can mess around in your world. I have in the past tried narrated, like self narrating some very short stuff, like audiobook wise and mixed results, but it was, it was something that the fans claim to want more of so i guess i'll try that in the future um also i like a parallel story that that uh, the usually hear these called hero of another story like having a scene that maybe doesn't feature uh, a side story that doesn't really feature somebody who was main to your plot but it turns out they had a very exciting thing that happened in parallel and if you do this correctly you can change the context of a scene that was in your book uh, or even and I have at least once in the past used one of these to patch a plot hole to explain how something appeared at a place that it should not have been. It turns out there was this whole other adventure going on in the background. They have to be able to stand alone, by the way. Um, you could also throw in some scenes that were cut for length. Sometimes I end up taking out, uh, I have taken out a full chapter in the past and, and decided that if I stick a couple of paragraphs at the beginning and the end, this would be interesting as a standalone. And I haven't done this yet, but I've experimented with actually building them is putting together interactives, which is you just put something up on your site that people can sort of do a choose your own adventure on. Uh, it's actually surprisingly easy to do with modern tools. All right, so there's kind of a list of types of materials. Uh, now we're going to talk about some of the ones, like specific things we've done and how well they worked, or, or the, maybe the ones that didn't work as well as far as actually like this helps sell books. <laughs> uh, so some things I've done that have worked pretty well are the prequel novellas, often with kind of an intriguing character who's not a point of view character in the main series. And this is going to be to get people who already have read the first book or maybe even more books in the series to get maybe onto your mailing list so that it's easier to sell them future books in the series. But I find that, you know, sort of like the rewritten scenes, just people are super intrigued by that person who was not a POV in this story, you know, assuming you made them interesting. Uh, the, the first thing, and I've talked about this a few times on here before that I did that actually like helped me start selling books beginning in my, you know, my early career was I had a short story uh, in my Emperor's Edge universe that it was just an adventure with the, the two main heroes in the story, the uh, law enforcer and the assassin. And, you know, in, in the short story, I didn't go into their backgrounds or how they became, you know, to work together or anything like that. That's sort of the question mark that I left at the end of the story. If you want to see how these characters first met, please check out first, you know, book one in the Emperor's Edge. And I believe I put a little snippet from the novel at the end. Of like, it was like maybe a 7,000 word short story that I had originally written to submit to an anthology and then didn't get accepted. But I was like, well, uh, I'm going to get a cover for this. I got a pretty good cover for it. And I'm, this was, I actually didn't know how to make it 
free on Amazon at the time. So it didn't move the dial much there, but I knew that through Smashwords, I could make it free in Barnes and Noble. This was like 2011. And then all of a sudden I started selling books on Barnes and Noble. It's like, Hey, it worked. So I, I still recommend that, especially if you only have one book out and you're not like, you don't want to make that book free, but you have uh, you know, sometimes you already have a short tour. It shouldn't take that long to do a short, you know, whatever, six, 8,000 word thing. And it can work surprisingly well if you kind of tease people like, Hey, these characters, here's, here's the banter and characters you can expect in the series. Um, something I did last year that worked really well to drive news, newsletter signups was the rewritten scenes of the first Death Before Dragons, my urban fantasy series. The first three books from the character that started out as the antagonist and eventually became the love interest through, through the series. So you, I think readers were very curious to see like his impression of Val, the heroine, the first person heroine, uh, when they first met. So I, re you know, and kind of see him going from like, this is a horrible criminal that, you know, that I'm, I should slay and destroy. And she's human or half elf. So she's awful, you know, and him developing respect for her as the series continues. So that was really popular and, and drove a lot of newsletter signups. I put it, you know, the link in the back of, I think book three, cause the, the scenes, covered the first three books and they were very spoilery if uh, they weren't that far in the series. But, uh, you know, I kind of, one of the ways I know how these, how popular these are is not just by watching newsletter signups, but also how many emails they get from people who can figure out, like it went into the spam filter or something They're like, wait, I really need this, this bonus. You know, I, I signed up for the newsletter. Where is it? Uh, uh, another thing that has worked pretty well, uh, actually my, this worked actually really well for my sci-fi newsletter to get people to join was an epilogue. It was kind of a novelette with the not quite a villain, semi love interest for one of the characters. He never got a POV in, he was in the main series, eight books. We never got into his head. He was definitely the character people were most intrigued by. And this was probably, this was like the most popular thing I've done for my to drive newsletter signups to my sci-fi series. It's, it's up there with the scenes I just mentioned for the urban fantasy series. So these actually, these kind of things have worked for me better than just the prequel novella, which also those have worked pretty well too. Uh, anything that lets you jump into that head of that intriguing character that people want to know more about. Um, as for something that, you know, it can be fun. It can be easy, but is it really driving any book sales? I don't think so. These are some character interviews I've done and I put them up on my website, but they're the kind of thing where they're, they're nowhere nearly as pop, not as popular as complete short stories for me. And they're less relevant to new readers. Like one of the nice things about the prequel novellas and, and some of these, not so much the bonus scenes, but like a complete short story can, you know, you can make it so it works for a new reader or it's a special treat for an existing reader. And I'll pass it to Joe to share some of his. Um, so uh, in terms of like additional epilogues, I've, I've on more than one occasion, I've done what I would call a where are they now character epilogue. Uh, usually this is when I have a series that didn't go as, on, as long as maybe some of the readers wanted. Like I have, I have a superhero series uh, that, it wasn't a series. It was one book. <laughs> so, uh, lots of people were like, Oh, well, what do they do after that? So, uh, you know, write an epilogue. It's, that's a treat for existing fans, but it, uh, it was one of those things that pulled people back in for a set of new releases from me because, because they, they were like, Oh, I forgot about this guy. Um, also inspiration shorts, a lot of my series, particularly not the first three, but like things that have come out since my first three series were inspired initially by a short story that was made part of the Patreon. And, uh, 
people tend to like those. Like I ended up bundling them up as, as separate uh, things for people to get usually as newsletter perks. A lot of these ended up as newsletter perks, but uh, it was just gave people an opportunity to see like the original idea. And then, you know, I usually put an intro where I challenge people to like, see where, where I changed my mind and like compare and contrast this character and figure out what character that ended up being in the final series. It's kind of a fun thing. Plus these always stand alone. So uh, it, it works too for people who, who didn't end up reading that series. They can read the inspiration short and be like, oh, actually, I'm kind of interested to see how this would become a series. So it works well in both directions, uh, that one. Um, early on, especially, I, I found that character interviews were a really great way to get people involved on social media. Like I would ask people to submit questions. And the way I write my, uh, my character interviews is frequently I'll try to have them happen sort of between two of the characters in the series so that it could almost feel like it was a, just an extra scene from the book, like one of those just sitting around a campfire type scenes that are fun to throw in between characters. So uh, again, those are more for people who are already fans of the series, but they tend to be enormously popular online. But as you say, uh, not always translating directly into new sales. And I have done serials a number of times in a multitude of ways. And I never quite have the impact that uh, I'd like. They usually end up doing better when I do a collected edition as a, as a, as a release. But uh, these, I, I, some of these have actually turned out long enough and well enough that when I, when I finish them up, they, it, they introduce characters into the main series that turn out to be very popular. I, I, I threw in a, a, a dog that people are upset didn't show up in the sequel that like chronologically comes after it because it just wasn't in the right part of the world. But like, so I, I ended up with an additional mascot. So uh, these are, these are things that have really worked out pretty well for me. And at the very least, I will often define something as a success if I enjoyed doing it. <laughs> so a lot of these were like, that was a fun palate cleanser. I'm going to have to do that again in the future. Sometimes with the things like the character interviews that don't take long, it's just, it's a nice thing. You can, a little bonus for your readers and it gives you an excuse to email your list. And sometimes just seeing an email from you, they're like, Oh yeah. Hey, I forgot that author had a book out. I meant to get. So I, every time I email my newsletter, it does tend to lead to sales. So that's always a plus. And you can use the affiliate links, tracking links to kind of follow along with that. Um, serials are kind of funny. I've only done it once. Uh, on my newsletter, I sent like a sh short story over five days. And it was a great way to find out that hmm, delivery systems and email providers are not really great about delivering all of your <laughs> emails to people. Because I got a lot of people that email about like, hey, I, I missed part two and part four. Can you send me the whole thing? I checked my spam. It's not there. I'm like, where did it go? There were a lot like that. So uh, another reason to perhaps email people more than once for something particularly important, like a new release. Um, I like your idea for the character interviews of having the two characters in the story do it. I always do it, me as the journalist, which, and I always get really snarky answers because it's like, I'm making my characters' lives hell. Every, you know, every novel, something horrible <laughs> happens to them. And they're never like really friendly toward me. I don't know. But I also solicit, uh, questions from the readers or, you know, usually through my Facebook group and date or my Facebook page. And they, they really enjoy it. The readers just get a kick out of that when, you know, I was like, Oh, thank you for including my questions. That was, that was really cool. All right. So things we do, we recommend not using for your kind of, for your bonus material is <laughs> I'm just gonna say anything incomplete, especially your opening chapters. Um, 
we'll talk about this afterward. Joe, you want to add a couple before we talk about it? Uh, yeah, uh, I had mentioned earlier, scenes that were cut for length are good to use. Scenes that were cut for quality are not good to use. Like we often, like in movies, you'll see stuff that was left on the cutting room floor and it was an outtake or something like that. Those are great in movies because they're spontaneous and, and entertaining. Uh, if you cut something because you didn't feel like it was good enough, then you didn't feel like it was good enough. And it doesn't really belong, uh, uh as a, as a, <laughs> it's not going to convince people to buy your stuff. If you, if you show them the stuff that didn't work out the way you wanted it to, uh, also, um, these are sort of two sides of the same coin. Uh, don't try to use a, uh, uh, something that requires context in order to build new audience. Like you're not going to funnel new audience into your book with a story that requires you to have read the book. We talk about bonuses for current readers. Don't use one of those in a situation where you're trying to attract new people. Likewise, don't reward existing audience members with things that rehash a bunch of stuff they already know. Uh, you're going to, this is sort of a division. You're going to sort of have to plan unless you're, you're, you're writing something that is, uh, very self-evident very quickly. If you're writing something to introduce people, new people to your series, you're going to have to introduce a lot of concepts so that they'll be aware of it. And if you give that to a bunch of existing audience members, they're going to just roll their eyes and skip through a third of it and not enjoy it as much as they could. So target things adequately and correctly with, uh, with the structure of your, of your bonus material. Right. I would say I see a lot of people, especially earlier on when maybe you only have one book or you're working on the giant epic fantasy that wants to be 200,000 words. And you're like, can I just put out like the first four chapters as a teaser and get them out into it? And you can absolutely put those up on your website or something like that. But I, I've seen people do like actually make ebooks and release their you know, first third of the book, part one of their book or something, and then a cliffhanger ending, or they give that away as a free thing, trying to get people to then buy the book. But I think it's just that readers have had this happen too too often. It just, you can tell from the reviews, they're super jaded and bitter. They don't want to buy the book after that. So whatever you do for your bonus material, if it's supposed to lead them to buy your book, you probably want to give them a complete satisfying story. You know, even if it's only a 3000 word short story, that can be fine. But none of this cliffhanger, like maybe you want to have some questions unanswered that intrigue them and make them want to pick up the series. Like why is this murder detective so messed up? You know, maybe if I read the book, I could find out his backstory a little bit more, but you want to make sure he solves a a murder mystery within the short story. and, And it feels like a complete thing. All right. Have you done any of that, Joe, or seen it done? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've, I've done opening chapters before, never as like a like a, a store release or anything like that. I have given people sort of previews. Uh, and again, I guess in most of the situations I did that, it was rewarding current readers with a preview of the next book. So it was a little bit different in that case, especially since in one of those cases, it was a book that had a cliffhanger at the end of the previous one. So I was sort of giving the head and don't, it's not a cliffhanger. See, here's what's, what's, here's what happens next. But, uh, I have also pulled off successfully using an opening chapter as a, as an incentive because it wasn't originally written as an opening chapter. Again, I mentioned earlier, the, uh, um, inspiration stories frequently, I will, I will sort of structure something as just the premise. I, I, on, on episodes we've recorded in the past where I talk about how to write short stuff and how to use short stuff, one of the nice things about a short story is it can be 100% premise. And uh, uh, so my readers sort of have been trained to expect that from me. Uh, and as a result, I can come up with something that is establishing a premise and then ends up being the first chapter of a longer thing. 
But in all of those situations, uh, it, it's a it's a tightrope walk because you either have to have something with that's got such low impact the reader doesn't feel as though the rug got pulled out from under them because of action that was building, or else it's got to have a complete arc. But then it really would start to run long. So it's a tricky path, and, and which is why we would recommend just don't use opening chapters. It's it's really hard to have something that works well as an opening chapter and an incentive. Right. And again, just to reiterate, we're not saying you can't do like preview chapters at the end of book one for the next book. That's fine. They know they've already got a complete book at that time. Same with stuff on your website. I put lots of, uh, I used to do that all the time, actually do like, especially with a new series, like excerpt, here's the first two or three chapters of the series. You can check it out for free before deciding if you want to buy it, but just make it really clear, like preview excerpt, you know, that they're not getting like surprise cliffhanger you have to read more you thought you were getting a whole story but you're not all right so let's talk about kind of how you can use these things uh you know we've kind of figured out by now some of these are designed to get people onto your mailing list after they've already read the first novel or more and others are things that you're going to put out there in the world in the hopes that they read it and then we'll go on to buy your first novel so depending on your goals, kind of depending on the story you're going to write, you know, is it for a completely new reader or is it a bonus to like lock in, you know, take a, oh, the, the book was okay. And, but you know, if they read some more bonus material behind the scenes, they might become a, more of a super fan. So ways you can do this is that if you put like your short story or your bonus material as free on your website, this tends to be this is probably geared, you know, more of a gift for your current readers, but if it is a standalone story uh, that can attract anyone, you know, it could possibly lure new readers in too. And I've had this happen before because whenever I share something, if it's a cute story, people, you know, this is where the social media kind of stuff can be helpful if you've built up, uh, you know, fan followers on Twitter and, and Facebook or whatever ones you're using. So you can, it's a, you know, easy for them with social media to share your link to your free short story on your book. And again, we talk about it's also an excuse to email your newsletter existing fans and why you're saying like, hey, you know, here's this free short story from this this series. And, you know, and if you haven't read this series yet, you know, book one is also on sale right now. Go check that out. Uh, once you get more series you know, and more genres and stuff, just sending an email and kind of giving readers that hopped on from a different series a chance to try something new uh, that can be really useful to get basically your existing readers to buy more of your series and, and backlist. Um, also, what you can do is do an exclusive ebook that's free to subscribers. And this is going to be the kind of thing where you're going to put it on book funnel or something where they have to have the, they have to know the link or, you know, put in their email or whatever in order to get it. And it's probably going to be an ebook rather than just something on your website. Uh, and, you know, and this is going to be probably more designed to get them to sign up to your newsletter. You're putting the link probably to a landing page on your website and get folks to sign up. And then you just give it to your, also free, send it out to your current subscribers already when, whenever it releases. And you might, as I've learned, want to periodically share all of your free stuff once you kind of build up for different series, build up things uh, to your newsletter, because you'll always get a whole bunch of downloads from people who, you know, came in since you uh, originally shared that free thing. Um, another thing you can do, and this is more designed to get new readers, is put an ebook free in the stores. I say ebook, we're talking the short story or the novella, the one 
you know, and this is one going to be to, it has to work as an entry point into your world, right? It has to be a full standalone story. It should be satisfying, as we mentioned, but it also should intrigue people because you don't want to be so close, you know, so complete, so, so close, like, like it's only exists in this world, but really has nothing to do with the main series. That's not going to work as well as something that's like, all right, now you've met these characters and you want to know more about them. They happen to star in the series that uh, I have written eight books about. So, and, and again, with this kind of thing, maybe you put an excerpt to book one at the end of the short, short story, just keep it short. You know, people are get bitter when, even if it's a free thing, if they get to like 47% and that's the end of the story and everything else is just excerpt, excerpt for the book, they might be like, eh. you know, try to keep the excerpt to like 10% probably. Um, so another thing you can do with the short stories is uh, put them in an anthology. You, you know, maybe when you might have to submit to it, maybe you put together with other authors. But most of the time, an anthology is going to give you a bio and sort of a chance to plug the series. Uh, again, with an anthology, you want the short story to work as an entry point to new readers, but hopefully tie in closely enough to your series that you're not just, you want it to have double duty. Like, yeah, here's a short story. Maybe you even got paid for it because it's an anthology, but you want it to lead the people to like, oh, I'm going to go check out the nine book series that uh, is also related to the, you know, that the stars, these same characters. And then the other popular thing you can do with this stuff is sign up to do the cross promos with other authors, you know, maybe like 10 newsletters, 10 authors all kind of, doing a promotion in a, it should be not only in your genre, but probably in like really quite niche, tightly related to your stuff. So like not just romance, but Western cowboy holiday romance stories. And then that the people that sign up for that, they give their email address to get all the stories that fall into that niche. That's going to be their jam. So (laughs) chances are good that they are going to read your story and then go on to buy your books just because they happen to love that super specific thing. So that, um, Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Give us a couple more before we talk about our experiences with these. Yeah, there's a couple of th- other things uh, you might you might like try. One thing I have done in the past is um, uh, when you're trying to build up a specific social network. Uh, we don't really do this much anymore because it feels like the social network level has balanced. But for a while, things like Wattpad is a good example and Tumblr is another. We're really good for like medium to long form stuff. And if you really want to build up your, your following there, then you could have something exclusive to that place. Um, also, it works particularly well with serials, obviously, because then you're having regular output content. And also, you can uh, you can use your own anthologies of shorts. Uh, I have put together enough shorts related to my other series that I've just pulled them together into basically a novel length collection of shorts. And then given that away often as a newsletter perk, almost everything. And I will talk about this later, but almost everything that I have done with, with giving away this stuff was newsletters. Uh, it's a really good way, as, as, as Lindsay said, lots of people will join your newsletter, especially if you have multiple series, they'll join because of one of your series. And sometimes they either express no interest in the other series, or they just don't know about the other series. And if you give them like, okay, here's your, you know, here's a, uh, 90,000 word, uh, uh, collection of short stories that span all of my series, it's a way to introduce readers that have established themselves in other series to other stuff you have and, and entice them. So it's sort of a combo punch of all the previous methods. Right. I've had uh, like my fantasy fans are like, yeah, sci-fi, not my thing, but I've put up 
a short story on my site and gotten them to try the series that way because they read the short story for free and they're like, oh, you know what? Your sci-fi is kind of like your fantasy. I'm like, yes, it is. You should probably try the sci-fi too. Uh, okay, so our experiences, some of our experiences with this, I've kind of done everything I mentioned in my list, except I haven't really done the newsletter promos to get, you know, the ones that are specifically designed to get an email address. I think I did it once and never emailed people because I was like, why would I do this? But the ones that are group promos with other authors where people sign up and they have to give a newsletter, uh, they have to give their email address in order to get the collection of Western cowboy holiday romance stories. That's not something I've really done much of. And does this not to say at all that it can't work or that it doesn't, you know, that it can't be great, especially when you're, if you don't have really much of a readership yet and you're really early on, that can be a really helpful thing to do. Personally, I'm not a big fan of making strangers sign up, you know, to my mailing list to get something if they've never read my work before. Um, If you are going to do that kind of thing, we've talked about before, it's a good idea to have two email lists, like the list of people who are kind of warm leads that were vaguely interested in the Western cowboy holiday romances. So they signed up to get that versus people that have read one of your books and sign up for your newsletter to get bonuses more with the characters they love. Like those are more true, truer fans, at least at this point that are more likely they bought one of your books. They're probably going to buy more. So you might want to keep those newsletters separated if you do that. Um, for anthologies though, when I, I think 2016 is when I first decided to try sci-fi. I wrote my Fallen Empire series. I, before that, I'd only published fantasy. So I was just really open to trying, like, what can I do to get people to try this new genre for me? And I think I did maybe three anthologies with that series. I just wrote short stories with the same characters that were in the main series. And, you know, it was pretty, I thought that worked pretty well. Uh, they were all, there weren't really obscure anthologies. Like there were stuff that indie authors were doing and that I could get into. Like I had enough of a name from fantasy that people kind of wanted my stuff for that too. But you know, it was definitely a way to reach readers that I wouldn't necessarily have reached because whenever you do the anthology, all the authors who have a story in it generally will email their list and say like, Hey, you know, come try this anthology. So you get exposed to their readers and vice versa. And one of those short stories actually got picked up and reprinted in like Bane's best, I think it was best military sci-fi or, or just sci-fi of the year. I think I got like $400 for that. So you never know where this stuff can lead. But my main goal was to attract new readers. Um, but my main thing for that is I really just like, I'm trying not to cough. <laughs> Joe, can you talk for a minute? Sure. Uh, I, I can I can say also that I have uh, I, the anthology thing. Um, I have joined into anthologies uh, with with prequel stuff that stood alone by itself, but also worked pretty well to uh, combine with uh, for new readers. And likewise, I've had an unusual amount of success with stories written for that purpose. The only thing I've ever written that was an award winner. Uh, it was I was in a, a short story collection that won a Stabby Award. So yeah, th- involving you know trying to get people into your series through uh, an anthology with other authors is is impressively good if you can get together with enough other good authors. That's sort of the key thing because a lot of anthologies don't really sell anything. So you kind of want the editor to be someone that's got a track record in that genre, or there's enough other authors with big mailing lists that you know are writing the similar stuff. So definitely vet any anthologies before you submit to them. 
And the, the other thing I was going to say is that specifically for attracting new readers, my favorite thing is just honestly to make take the short story, the novella, make it free in all the stores, and you can even throw it out there anywhere. You know, put it on Wattpad, put it on Scribd, whatever. The more places you can have it out there that they can stumble across, the better. And I like this more for getting exposure than like requiring people to give an email address in order to get a free short story. Uh, you know, I love to do the signups for people who have already read something, but it's like the, they have to like, then you have to do all this marketing to let people know that, Hey, I've got a short story that you can get by giving an email address to me. And then you can get the short story. Like it's complicated. Now you have to do all this marketing for this potential free short story that you're trying to give away. Whereas if you just put it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and the, and the big stores for free and you have a good cover, I'll talk about that more in a minute, but, um, you can potentially, you know, I'm not going to say just making it free alone anymore is really going to necessarily get you thousands of downloads, but it's much easier to promote it. You know, just grab the books to read link or whatever and uh, promote your short story. And you may actually get like, I don't know, every time I make something free on Amazon, it seems to get picked up. Like, especially if it's the first time some random bot or some of the, you know, some of the sponsorship sites that you can buy sites will also just promote free stuff now and then i don't know readers find free stuff so i just feel like it's sort of like being on ebay versus you know just doing a garage sale at your own house there's just a lot more traffic out there potentially if you're out there so i just you know don't i like to do it with no requirements and just put it out there and um again your fans too once you get more of a fan base to be happy to share stuff that goes up for free out there go ahead joe if you have any more Sure. Um, I have done a large number of these as newsletter perks. For a while, I was doing um, once every six months, I would just do a new newsletter perk and let people know. And again, almost always these were reasons to, these, these were rewards to current readers because the specific way in which I published for the first few years of my career was that I was essentially writing one book in each of my series annually, which means that I was getting infusions every I don't know, six months or so, every five, six months, I would be getting infusions of readers who probably didn't care about my other series. So when they showed up and they got their newsletter perk that might have been in another series, well, now they have another book they can read. So for me, it made a lot of sense in order to try to combine all of my three separate audiences into one audience by using newsletter perks as a way to do it. But I've also, uh, I wrote a, a, a sci-fi short called Beta Testers, which uh, I think it's 99 cents. It's like 25,000 words, and I put it up on, on the usual places for 99 cents. Believe it or not, this is free as an audiobook. It is a traditionally published audiobook that they decided to make free. So th uh, these things work as audio too, but it's very hard to find somebody who's willing to do that. I'm, I'm happy to say that Books in Motion was willing to experiment with that for me. Um and also, I, I uh, because I try to to get you know like I try to make soup out of the bones and, and just find a way to make everything as as useful to me as possible. A lot of this stuff served double duty, either starting off in my Patreon and then becoming an enticement later on once the patrons got early, or starting off elsewhere and then rolling into the Patreon in an enhanced form. So. Sometimes, I mean, if you're really nervous about putting something out there that you're afraid you're not going to make any money on, depending on how you're running your 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 career, you can potentially reuse these things in different contexts. If as long as it doesn't feel like you're, you know, double dipping. 
Right. I've definitely reused a lot of stuff too. So if you're thinking, man, I got to write a short story just to give it away for free. Maybe you can think about it. Like I've done some of the prequel novellas for, you know, to get people onto the newsletters for the newest series. But then sometimes when I go two years later, when I'm writing the next series, I'll go ahead and throw that thing up on Amazon and all the stores for uh, 99 cents. And that way people can, it's still like I leave the links there so they can sign up from the newsletter if they want to, but it's now available in the stores, making a little bit of money. I, I would recommend that if you want people to sign up for your newsletter, if that's your main goal for now, have it be exclusive. They can only get it if they sign up for the newsletter. If they have the option to buy it on Amazon for 99 cents, a lot of people are like, yeah, the heck with that. I don't want to be bothered with the newsletter, even if they secretly do, because they will adore your newsletter, of course. Uh, and uh, also with the anthologies, and I was just thinking of this the other day, I need to go like reprint some of these on my website now because it's been like four years. Usually you're only giving them the rights for a year or even six months if it's selling a short story to a magazine or an anthology. So at that point, you can try to sell it again, or you can put it for sale on Amazon, or you can make it one of your newsletter bonuses. So a lot of these things, you, you, anything you write in your whole career as an author, you can continue to make use out of. You know, uh, I've noticed that Chris Gathen Rush has, I don't know how many thousand short stories she's written over her career, but every I think every Monday she puts out like Free Fiction Monday and puts a short story up on her blog. So write it once. It's not like you're only going to get that use out of it. You can keep using it again. All right. We've been cruising through this pretty quickly. We're going to go into some final tips for your bonus material that you want it to help you sell more books. First tip is don't phone it in. <laughs> if you're trying to get new readers in particular, you want to make sure your short story or other bonus shows off your best. The awesome side character who's super intriguing. That's some random minor character from that was like on page three of book seven that nobody really is curious about. Not to say you can do something fun with that. I know Joe mentioned that he did something like that, but you know, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of something, the character that people are dying to know more about. And the thing is here, you want them to read the story and then, you know, just really be really eager to read more from you. So the better, better the story is that they got for free, the more they're going to think, wow, the free short story was this good. The 499 ebook must be completely awesome. And this has the potential not only to get people to buy that book one, but you're kind of pre-selling them on it. Um, so like if they like the short story and the character, they're going to be willing to give the book more of a shot. Um, a lot of authors struggle with like their first book, not really being their best. May, you know, it can be a little bit hard to kind of get in the groove and figure it out. And a lot of readers are like, eh, you know, they've only got the sample pages. They might just pass on it because it's maybe not as good as some of your later stuff in the series. But if you pre-sold them on the short story, they may be more willing to kind of work through that to get to the characters that they were really interested in. So you're, it's like a, it's like a bonus if you did it well, you know, <laughs> you like get a, more of a shot with them later. Uh, next tip is to get it edited. I, I sometimes put things up on my website before I get things edited, especially it seems to always be the case. I did a Christmas story that I was writing on Christmas Eve. I was finishing it. Same with a Valentine's story. But once a, once I'm going to put it into an ebook and give it to somebody like this is your permanent thing, I definitely send it to the editor. Uh, and usually I end up editing even the stuff that goes up on the website or somebody points out all the typos, helpfully in the comments and you get it fixed. But definitely if you're turning it into an ebook, get it edited. And then if it's meant to be in the stores and attract new readers, even if it's going to be free, you should 
spend as much as you can, I mean, not as much as you can, but, you know, spend enough to get like a really good cover. This is less necessary for the newsletter bonuses. I've definitely like, I've done second epilogues and it's like, I just slapped on a like homemade cover. I'm not paying for the cover on a 3000 word second epilogue. So you don't necessarily need to spend for those, but anything that's going in stores and this, or that's going to be used that you're doing a cross promo thing with other authors, you should have an awesome cover for that. Uh, next is just kind of try to like have the, a generous mentality. And, you know, I found, like I said before, the, the things I put up for free on my website that are basically gifts to the readers. Yes. You're always hoping that your readers will be reminded of it. Enjoy it and go check out the series too. But the things that just you give away a lot of times can really go a long ways to, toward like making, turning readers into super fans. Like these extra things are just, they really appreciate them. Most uh, traditionally published authors, I would say, don't do this. Like I follow some of my authors and I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome if they put up extra stuff on their website. I mean, some do and some are super successful to do that stuff. I mean, it, it really does turn people into fans. Uh, and the last thing I would say is, I, I already mentioned this before, but last tip is if it is designed to get people onto your newsletter, make it an exclusive thing that they have to get on the newsletter to get. If it's available for sale for 99 cents, it's not going to be nearly as good at getting people to sign up for your newsletter. Um, some of the final stuff for me is uh, uh, it's useful to balance stuff that fans already love with fans stuff you think fans would dig if they had a little bit more of. Like it's great. Like if you have a, a, a standout character that everybody loves, certainly you're going to want to write some of your bonus material about that character because it's going to be very popular bonus material. It's going to make your current fans happy. And if you set it up in a way that introduces that character well, then it can funnel new fans into your series. But uh, it's not a bad idea to, to sort of introduce or expand other characters, particularly if you have future plans for them. Like if you've got an ongoing series or if you're going to do, which a lot of people have done where you're going to sort of spin off into a series that's not in the same arc, but just sort of a, a new entry point. Uh, it's not a bad idea to sort of try to get people on board with some of the other characters. Similarly, you should probably do a balance uh, when you're doing your bonus material stuff to attract new readers versus stuff to entertain current readers. Uh, just generally speaking, you hopefully over the course of your career are going to perpetually have new people coming in and having old fans you're trying to keep on. So it's a good idea to remember that all of these people need to feel the love. I've written multiple spin-off stories about uh, Squee, who's the mascot character in my sci-fi. But I've also taken a relatively ignored character from the Book of Deacon series and made him the star of his own serial. And that ended up introducing some not just interesting plot points to the series, but some interesting characters of the series and really ended up making him sort of a dark horse favorite uh, toward the second and third, well, toward the, the second to last and last book when I released them in that series. Uh, and also, you should probably try to avoid putting any... Uh, really critical, crucial information and bonus material. I know a lot of people assume that everyone will read everything, uh, and that is not the case. Uh, not everyone will read everything, so you don't want people who are reading the series to have to have read the point five that was a bonus piece. Uh, if, if it was you know not being released in the same track, you certainly don't want something that is absolutely necessary to enjoy a sequel uh, to be in a newsletter exclusive that even maybe people on your newsletter didn't notice. So bonus material should be bonus material. It should be on top of and in addition to what you're already releasing. Uh, if it is a, a key part, then it's not bonus and, and it's not playing the same role. So that's just something to keep in mind.
Very true. And with my first two series, I made the same mistake. I mean, I don't really regret it, but I did the same thing twice where I did like between books five and six, I just was like, I need to write a side novella with the different POV characters. Uh, And yet they were crucial enough to the story because they took place between five and six. And you basically needed to read them to not know, you know, to know what was going on in the next book. But because Amazon to this day and all the sites, as far as I know, they don't have a way for you to mark. This is book 5.5 in this series. So it gets ends up getting left off on the sites that have series pages and people will be confused to be like, wait, what, where, where'd that dragon come from? That dragon wasn't here in book five and now there's a dragon in book six. I'm confused. And I actually have written a couple of bonus stories. They were kind of epilogue stories to my Star Kingdom series. And now I'm thinking of doing a trilogy with the character that was in those stories. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, I think I'm going to have to include the two bonus stories in the, like if in the back of the first book of the trilogy or something. So I'm like off to a great start because I put important stuff in the bonus stories. I didn't know at the time I was planning another trilogy, but these things happen. You follow your artistic news. You find a way to make it work, I guess. Uh, I think that is at the end of our notes. Do we have any final stuff? I just have one more thing I thought of while we were doing this in terms of stuff not to do, just final tips, because it's something that I have done. And that is, if you have got a twist that is a really juicy, fun twist that's just central to the series, don't put that twist in two books. Like, if you have a, a, a prequel, that, that you're going to release to hope to funnel people in. You can't reveal the twist in the prequel and in book one. <laughs> this is something that I've almost done. I've come so perilously close to giving away the real hook of book one in the prequel that was given away for free to entice people to read book one. So be mindful of the structure of your series and don't screw up your chemistry by, uh, by violating it with the prequel. Yeah, it's actually, if you think of it, if you plan ahead of time like write the prequel before you start the first book like if you know you're going to need a bonus to get people on your newsletter um because it can be harder to go back in time without like want then you get this urge like oh wait now i have to change this thing in book two that i just contradicted in my prequel now that i know more about that background character so yeah if you can plan it all like for your launch and have have it already ready and have it all figured out before you actually publish stuff that can be helpful. And I was going to say too, that you can potentially do stories that are for both existing readers and entice new readers in. It usually just means you have to put in less backstory, which is, uh, contrary to what you might think, but like, you don't need to like, like actually the story I mentioned that got picked up for the Bane anthology was actually took place after eight books in my fallen empire series. It's their honeymoon story as this uh, super soldier dude and the pilot go off and they're having their honeymoon, but they have a very specific adventure that happens on their honeymoon and it's just all self encapsulated. So you don't really need to know the eight books and the story that went before. So just uh, keep it in mind. You, probably need less backstory than you think if you want new readers not to be confused by this uh, you know standalone short story all right we, we talked for almost an hour we did all right and i guess go ahead yeah i i, I, I was <laughs> i was impressed with how close we came to hitting the mark 
All right, cool. Well, and I, it is, I was telling Joe before we started recording, it's sort of pollen season starting up. So I'm like, ah, I know I'm going to have to cough or sneeze or something because I'm wearing this. But um, let, Joe was on the ball ready to take over. So I appreciate that. And Andrea, if you're listening, hope you're already better because this will come out in a week. But um, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. Or we are still popping in occasionally. The, there's some action going on in the Facebook group at Six Figure Authors, so you can stop in there. And I think that is it. Let us know if you want to leave a comment. Let us know what bonus stuff you've done and how it worked. Uh, thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. So long, everybody. <laughs>